This is the 105th episode of the Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Berns. With me are my dear co-hosts Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström, who is back after a busy October at the university. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Hello, everybody. I'm still alive. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found whenever we release on the TopTech app. In this episode, we will talk a bit about our recent exploits at the local game store. But more importantly, we will discuss the Swedish Legacy Nationals, which kick off this week on Saturday, 4th November. So then let's get recent paper play out of the way and then get into what the Swedish scene is all about right now. Robin, you did not bring your DAC deck to the last event. Why not? And were you rewarded by this change of heart? With the Swedish Nationals coming up, I don't think it's reasonable to bring a grindy deck fade and <laughs> kind of deck to the Nationals <laughs> and playing through six plus rounds with uh, like all the little mistakes and intricacies which with that kind of deck so i thought i'd test out naya depths which has been my go-to deck that has been performing best for me i got rewarded for playing something that i know yeah you got uh, super rewarded you did uh, the full sweep right yes I did. so uh, what were your matches in short all right so uh, first round i'm up against storm Always a little bit uh, scary, but things went my way. He goes for a relay in the first game. This gives me a lot of information to examine, and I can see that he has possibility to play a Mind's Desire on his following turn, but that requires his box Opals to be able to tap for mana, and he has Mox Chrome. And I have uh, my Liberator in hand, so I spend the whole turn just making using three mana to kill his mox chrome and that makes him fizzle on his turn after a few turns he goes again with an echo and he is storming me naturally like with the burning wish for tendrils and i have a plow to plow my little boo that is a four four so i managed to survive (laughs) the tendrils on the following turn i can kill him with boo attack and then we sideboard and he's on the play, and he starts with a turn one Echo, and I have Mind Break Trap. No. Then he has a land and a Mox Chrome in play. So I waste him, and then I play Collector Oof, and then the game is over. <laughs> what happened when I was gone? Like, uh, I come back and Robin is a monster. Like, uh, no, I love to hear it. You have to get a little bit lucky against Storm. That's that's how it is. But it was nice to find in the light line of killing the Chrome Mox there, I think, because that was not quite obvious. So I was happy with that. And then, like, you have to draw your sideboard cards in this matchup. That's just how it is. Cool. Victor, you played as well, right? I did play, I did play. So, uh, what was your deck and round one opponent? Well, I went for my usual black-red reanimator, and in my first round, I faced off against Rip Helm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a lot to say about that. I was uh, done early, and uh, got a consolation beer at the bar. Nice. Get these out of the way before uh, nationals, right? Yeah, it was really no discussion. In game two, I moved to four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, doesn't help. Like, nope. Yeah, nope. that's brutal. So round two, you continued to perform well, Robin. What did you play against? 
Yeah, I was up against Mono Red Painter, and uh, I win the die roll and start off with uh, Mox Diamond into Library is my favorite start. It's a pretty good start. It's a really good start. He plays uh, Painter, but I have a Plow, and we trade a little bit of resources, and I think I draw like one extra card each turn <laughs> with this Library because I he doesn't really put any pressure on my life total. And I have a quite fast Merit Leech, just sweep it up in game one. And then in game two, he is on the play and he starts playing out Grindstone. Then on his second turn, he plays an Ursa Saga. And I stop him with the trigger on the stack and Fov, that is Force of Vigor, both the Saga and the Grindstone. <sighs> oh. So I gain a lot of momentum there. No shit. Then he plays a Goblin, which I think I plow. And then I also get to bog his graveyard. And wow. <laughs> and then Merit Leech. One of the things that I really like with Naya is uh, when you get that Sylvan down that early, like in game one, it's one of those decks where, you know, pressing, like really pushing to get your life total down is so difficult because Naya is like a very creature heavy deck with a lot of removal so I think like Sylvan yeah that's that's pretty brutal yeah and uh, so how was your second round Victor well my second round I play against scam <laughs> oh <laughs> but this 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 was interesting I almost stole game one it was a super grindy game, and in the end, I sort of lost by a hair. It was a really nice, really good game. And in game two, I sort of played it really well. And uh, one, I had uh, sort of had a plan of execution, and let's just say Archon is a really good card in, in this match. <laughs> Allegedly, pretty decent. Allegedly. And in game three, I'm thinking, so okay, I'm I'm on the draw. I lost all my die rolls this evening, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> but I'm on the draw for game three, and I'm thinking I have a seven that has sort of the usual stuff. I can sort of do lootings and I can do do some things, and then I have show and tell Arkan, and I'm just I'm just gonna play this game with the sole purpose of getting show and tell Arkan down. That's gonna be what I'm gonna do. And since I played the game. In that direction, I managed to both sort of make my opponent use the resources to counter my, you know, otherwise very strong reanimation plays that I that I do set up, and also removing. I have I have quite a bit of discard in the beginning as well, so I can I, I can do that dance with them. And in the end, I have a Dorothy Voidwalker in play. They have just cast and once swinged with a large Murktide. They have two cards in hand. One that I'm pretty sure it's a wasteland the other one is unknown and i get to show and tell they have no response and nothing to put in and i put down my arcan oh didn't even put in the wasteland i think they just realized that uh, the lights were out at that point yeah so i win two one against scam nice and i did it through keeping my head cool playing to my outs but also sticking to what sort of in the end was the winning game plan and i was pretty happy about that because I've been struggling in this matchup, obviously. Yeah, And we had some celebrity visitors at the LGS, right? Yeah. I think this was the champion. This is a very good player. Champion of the, the Northern Championships with this one deck recently. So not just any anyone. Yeah, that's cool. But, uh, you know, your sideboard Dottie sounds brutal against Cam. Like it shut it shuts off. It's It's as bad against you as it is for them. It's just like... 
very good card in that matchup. All of the troll, all of the scam things, everything just it's not it's not really good. It is a really good card, but it's like it's the same though because like, you always take that risk. Am I gonna put this if if they sort of remove it with if they keep their fatal push in, which they sometimes you know might do, and then reanimate it? I'm I'm <laughs> super fun. yeah. Or just grief reanimate you. Exactly, exactly. But then again, it's something else that they're not reanimate. It's it's hard. It's a hard matchup. It's 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 very difficult to sort of say this is the line you should go for because I mean last Thursday before this week that we discussed. Now uh, we're not talking that too much about that. I lost to scam basically because I played straight into grief reanimate because I didn't know what they were on and they used up two counter spells to counter discard spells. I didn't in my wildest dreams think that they would have enough resources to do the grief reanimate my stuff dance but indeed they had so we, we often discuss that playing reanimator people often feel very stressed against you it's, it's a deck that can just sort of come and get you but i have that extreme adrenaline pumping whenever i play against these decks because it's they can get you from so many angles as we discussed but i two one i was happy about that your armory is their armory too so round three, Robin, what happened? This round, I'm up against Turbo Depths, uh, the Bayou version. This is a player that is usually on Scam, so that's what I expect. And I actually mull to five, I think, in the first game. Like, you don't really want to mull against a discard deck, obviously, but you also have to have a, a decent hand. And I think I have something in in the ballpark of a Reclaimer, a Maze, and some other lands that might do something. And then it turns out that he's on uh, Turbo Depths and uh, therefore the maze is really good because I play the Reclaimer and he has a super fast hand with the Dark Ritual into like Thought Seas, Seas only lands, <laughs> and then a Hex Mage. He has to go for his Dark Depths, but I have the maze, of course, so I can keep it in check for at least one turn and then my reclaimer get to find Caracas to bounce it so from there on I can take over the game in game two it's a little bit of the same I have naturally drawn or tutored for all the lands that matters maze wastelands Caracas my own stage to like threaten if he plays the depths and all of that and I just beat down with reclaimers swing for three or if I had to I swing for six and then he has the final turn when he has to make merit lage and he managed to wiggle through the wasteland stage things that I have. Merit Lage comes into play. And then when he attacks with it, I see this line that instead of macing, I can make my own Merit Lage and block. <laughs> and then his Merit Lage is tapped. And I can just wing on the on the following turn. This matchup is super favored for me, I think. Yeah, uh, I have yeah. all the answers. And uh, the only scary thing is like pitting needles from his side. <laughs> Uh, that like stop my answers so uh 3-0 and 2-0-2-0-2-0 so going really well you're slapping tonight and uh, what about your third round victor well in my third round i'm up against blue black shadow <laughs> it's like okay yes universe i get it and the, the first game is uh, and here it comes sort of it's a thursday evening been working all day you know doing the things the fatigue kicks in and i make this horrible misplay because i manage i'm 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 about to steal this game i discard them 
They brainstorm in response. I take the valuable counter magic they have, get my gristle brand down. Next turn, I swing. I'm at five because I've drawn cards. And I sort of swing, attack them. They go to 13. I go to 12 again. I'm like, draw seven. And they're like, oh, but the card I put on top of my hand was uh, deck was an Orcish Bowmaster. So, you know, and I'm like, I do not need to draw seven cards there. I can no. just sit. And if they play mm. a removal, I can draw seven in response because then they will not have the Bowmaster's mana. But I just don't think and just sort of walk straight into that and sort of, you know, it happens. I was tired, but it didn't. I, I didn't feel smart, let's just say. It's very hard for them to beat the 7-7 seven, seven lifelink, but Grizzlebrand is the draw seven spell like creature. So naturally... I mean, you haven't really run into that super many times so far. You know, draw seven with Grizzlebrand, and they had two mana. So this was a good learning experience. Yeah, and great to do it on a Thursday. Yeah, and and not on Nationals. Yeah, and in the second game, I get them down to five, but they just take over the game. So I lose... 2-0 2-0 pretty quickly and i did get a bit tilted of course by that misplay in game one but then they played the deck well in, in game two they have the cyborg cards and again it's as we've discussed it's a deck that has a lot of resources against me so while i'm not super surprised to lose this game the way i lost it was not my proudest moment so i'm one and two into round four which you sat down at sort of some kind of Top table, eh, Robin? On the fourth match, I'm up against Monored Prison or <laughs> or Monored Initiative. And this is a pretty rough match with all the Blood Moon and Magus of the Moon effects that is running around. And in game one, if I remember correctly, that's exactly what happens. He plays a Magus and I can play or fetch up a Dark Depths without counters. And at some point... I think I plowed the Magus. Thank God for Moxus in that matchup. It releases the Merit Lage and I get to swing for lethal because he doesn't really have any flying blockers. Release the Kraken. <laughs> Release the Kraken indeed. What a steal. Then in the second game, I have a lot of removal in my hand. He has played a Fable that has flipped into the Mirror Guy. He also have uh, an uh, adventurer, his initiative creature. Yeah, the Caves of Chaos adventurer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, he's no. Sorry, he doesn't have the the creature, but he does have the initiative. He he has the initiative. <laughs> the initiative is live, and it's his. Sure. So I'm on five lands. I have a reclaimer in play. Only two lands in the grave, so it doesn't it hasn't been flipped yet. And I have two removal in my hand. One is a plow, and one is a Brotherhood's End. And I have two red mana, so I can play it. And this is what goes through my head. Like, the flipped table, it's a 2-2. So I can kill it with Brotherhood's End. It's not the best use of that card. But if he plays an adventure next turn, the Brotherhood's End is pretty useless. So I go for that line. I tap my Reclaimer to activate it to put the third land in the graveyard so that it grows and will survive the hit. And then I play the Brotherhood's End to kill his guy. But that makes me not able to take the initiative for the turn. And then he taps up and play double Rabble Master. <laughs> wow. wow, okay. So if I had played it the other way, I would have killed his dude with a plow, taken the initiative with my Reclaimer, and then I could have just sweep the board in the following turn. A little bit annoying, of course. But yeah, I lose that game. Yeah, but you're never you ready for the double Rabble Master. 
like yeah, that's, that's very sick it's such a faster clock yeah in the third game once again we have a blood moon <laughs> in play i have fetched up both my basics before this happened so i'm I, I can play the game even though i'm a little bit i mean affected by it of course he has killed something with a fury and i draw my mavlock first time i play mavlock in this deck very nice addition i can play it as a 4-4 to kill his fury and this mavlock starts clocking him because he only has like small critter eventually i find a knight and i miss an opportunity because i also have a liberator that is attacking and uh, this liberator can remove the blood moon of course which would make merit lage but he keeps up mana all the time so i think that he might have like one of those not boom bust is it the boom bust yeah the one that uh, can bounce uh, a creature so i'm a little bit like I, I don't really need to do this and then he plays a magus and i look at my hand and i have a, a plow so i think oh now he's tapped out that's great but then i realize he also has a chalice and i didn't activate the liberator in response so i missed the opportunity to make a merit lage there i still have beaters with the liberator and uh, the knight and the mavlock but the game draws out and we go to time in the i think it's the second round of the five final rounds he is at six life and i'm attacking with the knight and he says oh i go to two because it's a four four and I have a crop rotation in hand. So I play the crop rotation, find another Dark Depths, and Legend ruled that Dark Depths uh, into the graveyard <laughs> to grow the knight into a 6-6. Six, six. So it's a little. So it was a very nice way to end it, even though I just fucked up when it came to the Merit Lage making. Love it. Knight and crop rotation doing its thing. It was very cool. The card we were looking for was Dead Gone. Dead Gone, right. Boom Bust is the land destruction, right? Right. I think it's something else. Yeah, yeah. It's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Dead Gone. So, uh, Victor, how was your last round? Well, my last round was playing... I sit down and I play against a deck that I haven't faced in ages and this is i guess one of the unperks of playing paper is that some decks you just don't see for quite some time if there is no player bringing it this is doomsday as i said earlier i lost all the die rolls this evening and losing the die roll in the combo mirror can be a pretty big deal it for sure was in game one i'm pretty certain i would have won if i was on the play with these hands then again would would my opponent have kept their hand if they were on the draw, etc., etc.? But it felt highly draw sort of dependent that they were able to do what they were able to do. Because I had a Grizzled Brand turn one, but I couldn't draw into enough discard. And uh, yeah, they could just go off. And in game two, I keep a what I'm considering to be the uh, obviously best plan for me, show and tell Arkan plan, because I'm pretty certain they're gonna ley line they do so i have like two dead cards of reanimation spells in hand that i can use them to pitch to greaves and stuff so it's not completely useless but i never draw my third mana source so i can't cast my show and tell and they just eventually they they keep a no land hand with just wow. ley line and i sort of take out important cards that will get them somewhere like ponders and stuff but since i take forever to try and follow that up they can draw into other enablers in the end and then when i do another sort of discard attempt they have uh, the veil of summer to cost etc so pretty quick o2 for a total of two seven for the evening which is not what you want to see if it's a deck you want to run in the nationals 
the coming weekend, but I will still. I mean, this this meta, I think, is like, you know, <laughs> Helm, Scam, Shadow, Doomsday is, is... There were other decks in the room that I could have faced. Like, so for example, <laughs> yeah. Robin and everything he played against. That that would have been fun, but it's just sort of... The, the brackets didn't fall my, my way. You literally played against uh, three decks that are blue-black with the days and are really fast if they need to be. And a deck that main decks, rest in peace. Yeah, <laughs> that's icing, icing on the top. It's like, uh, yeah, that's yeah, uh, that's pretty uh, brutal. But uh, yeah, still good job, Robin and Victor. Now you got those bad matchups out of the way. Yep. So now you're just gonna cash it in on nationals. Yeah. So then, the Swedish Nationals are just around the corner. You listener might be indeed playing this here podcast in the car or on the train going to Borås this weekend. As we are in Sweden, this will be a no proxy event, as is usually the case. We can sort of perhaps discuss that some other time. But it also means that in terms of hard cash real estate value, the city of Borås, which is quite small, will suddenly become the Northern Europe center for tabernacles of the Pendle Vale. <laughs> Especially since it's a car that a lot of people on the West Coast in Sweden usually bring to these tournaments. So what are predictions here, guys? What will this tournament bring? Well, for me, I expect a lot of scam decks. I think people will also bring Delver because it's always a good deck to bring to tournaments. Aside from that, I think a lot of proactive decks that don't draw out the games too much so I think some of the stompy decks might appear like the white and red stompy deck seems really strong at this point of course combo decks and like usually elves make an appearance in the nationals some, we have some really good elves players and lands players in Sweden I'm hoping and predicting not so much control decks because I think the control decks are really controly and have very few win cons and take forever to play and I think that players hopefully will <laughs> avoid playing them because I think my matchup against control with this depth stick is rather rather bad. So that's my predictions and my hope. Yeah, yeah, I actually think we might see a bit of control with these beanstalk decks and stuff like that. But I mean, Lance is a very slow control deck that with the Sphere version and Ursa Sagas can actually be quite fast. But I, I would definitely expect some beanstalks. But uh, like you mentioned, uh, Bowmaster decks like Scam, Shadow, Grixis, Delver. But I also think that we might see some DNT. And 8-cast. 8-cast, definitely. Which I think, yeah, like, I think this will be a pretty chalice-heavy Nationals. Uh, I, I have this vibe. I think that Stompy decks, either Initiative or just Moon Stompy, is going to be a big part of the meta as well as, uh, you know, 8-cast to counter counter these scam decks and uh, these Delver decks. So I, I would definitely be prepared for that and... Combo-wise, I think this could be a pretty rough meta for a combo, but not if you're going over, like super over the top. And this, by that I mean things like Reanimator or Show and Tell 
or doomsday might be good if you get if you if you force your opponent to have an answer really quick that might be a good avenue so that's that's my take what about you victor it's hard of course but i mean i think what you guys are saying is that there isn't going to be one or two very dominating archetypes we are rather going to see quite a bit of everything here and i, I think that's sort of a, a likely occurrence here for for a couple of reasons one is that simply this is a paper tournament with no proxies so people are going to play what they have and legacy isn't the format where the most players sit around with a variety of eight different decks to choose from or a meta that shifts quick enough for you to need to have access to a lot of resources compared to say modern for example or standard for that matter so i think that's gonna in quotation marks lock people in on uh, their decks that they're usually playing in paper. And that in itself, I think, is going to bring diversity. But I also think that that is an argument for the four-color control beanstalk decks to be slightly more prevalent because it's something that people have. As is with sort of the elves decks, of course, it's going to be the the new version, Fiend Artisan uh, type of controlly elves but they're going to be there still. But again, also, like people are going to want to play Delver or they want to play the new Delver, which is the Scam or Shadow decks. There are lots of lands experts in, in West Sweden. We're going to see them bring that. I think what might not happen is that we might not see as many like Cephalid Breakfast type of decks, which I think are not in vogue currently. But it's like it's gonna be a diverse meta game. You're not gonna it's not gonna be like eighteen percent Delver. And that's fun. Yeah. I do I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction though. I think twenty-five to like one fourth to one third of the room is gonna be on scam, shadow, or Grixis Delver combined. So I think there's going to be a lot of days, but it would be really fun to see because we've seen a lot of these rug Delver decks playing the questing uh, druid. Is that the name? I've seen a lot of lists trying that out and it would be fun to see some sort of Delver deck trying another angle. I don't think it's as strong, but you know, it feels more grassroots, you know, more the microbrewery Delver archetype. And I'm always a sucker for those. I, I really hope that one player plays that deck and makes it really far. Yeah, you know, there's an uh, Eternal Weekend coming up in the US, so like the Americans content creators are also preparing for a tournament, a paper tournament at this point, and uh, Depic Storm just posted tier class rating for some of the decks that you want to look out for there. And some of the decks that they mentioned with a high win percentage that is possibly a little bit underplayed was 8 casts and some other decks I don't, I don't really remember which it was. And then Initiative. Initiative, right. Also. And then it underplayed. was uh, Celestia Depths and, and like the only comment was I don't really know why. <laughs> <laughs> I think they put like that Rug Delver deck quite at the bottom. But I, I don't know how it performed online and all of that. No, but th- th- that's interesting what they they dug out of. This is online online tournaments, I think they're mostly basing this on. Is that, of course, none of those decks that you mentioned are Bowmaster decks or Tempo decks in that sense. They're completely different angles of playing Legacy currently. Yeah. But also, I guess, goes to show that few people who are really good at playing decks can also sort of you know always go far it's like in each legacy tournament you have this one reanimator play that performs really well and then you have the rest of the reanimators play at sort of three four results that's usually what it looks like 
that one reanimate the player stepped on the corpses of its brethren to make it to the top. That's also just, you know, like variants uh, going into a long tournament. Reanimator is a deck that can crush any opponent. Put enough of them in one room, one will probably make it, but the average win result will not be super great, especially in a meta I think we might see. But it's also fun, those decks you talked about, the Celestia, the Initiative, and the uh, 8-cast, they are all decks that are not really weak to Bowmaster. Yeah. That's really something interesting. And they're also not super weak to grief like the scam starts i mean it's it never feels great for anyone but those decks can really rip from the top and i think that's a powerful thing i told victor earlier that i really think that he should start labbing his post deck a bit more because i think that might be really good against scam yeah we'll see yeah we'll see i have uh, put in an order for the latest uncommons uh, (laughs) that are the vogue of this deck currently so so after after the tournament, I'm gonna be playing Cloud Post for a while in the winter. But I'm gonna make one prediction that sort of I would bet bet a very pricey beer on this is that we will see one and only one deck that will have more than one copy in the top eight. Hmm, that's an interesting prediction. And that, my friends, is all we have for this episode. We of course look forward to recording the next one, which is going to be about what actually happened in Boros this weekend. If you're going to the Swedish Legacy Masters, let us know in Discord. We're going to post information on which bar we are heading to for the post-tournament talks Saturday night. There's a link in the episode description. In addition to Discord, you can find us on X at STHLM Legacy. We're also on that platform. Personally, Robin, where can the listeners read more about that sweet 4-0 feeling? You can find me on X. I am Jacka underscore Bo. And I'm monolith mtg and you can find me as disco drogo and that is the end of the 105th episode of stockholm legacy report thank you robin sensian thanks christopher wikstrom i am victor bernhards many thanks to you for listening the great and mysterious furnace has written music you can find more of their work on spotify and until our next episode a bit of a foreboding here keep hope